This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello and welcome to the latest Liverpool Echo Blood Red podcast. I'm Matt Addison, Paul Gorst and Rich Garnett both alongside me today. None of us were on the score sheet at Anfield on Saturday, but if we'd stuck around long enough, we probably would have been. We'll be talking Bournemouth shortly as the Reds hopefully got their season up and running. We'll be looking ahead to Newcastle United as well, which should, it goes without saying, be a much sterner test on Wednesday night. Let's start though with Liverpool 9, Bournemouth nil Gorsty. Loads of goals, Liverpool suddenly looking like the usual selves again. That's much more like it, isn't it? It is, very much so. Um, I was talking before the game, and it's one of those where you, you think, well, Liverpool certainly need the result, and a performance would be nice as well. But the way things have gone, you just think, well, even if even if they win 1-0 and, or 2-1 and, and they just get out of there, just get some points on the board, the first win on the board, and they can move on and kind of build from it. Um, and then as soon, as soon as the first one goes in, Luis Diaz inside three, four minutes, was it? Um, and then a second on the six minutes. Um, by then, you know, it, it, it's game over before 10 minutes. And you think, well, OK, well, that's kind of been put to rest. The whole statistics of them falling behind seven games in a row are now over with. And <clears throat> Liverpool fans can relax a little bit. No chance of any kind of angst or tetchiness drifting into the, the stands if Bournemouth holds firm for, for an hour or, or maybe longer. So um, it was it was everything that Jürgen Klopp could have dreamt of and, and, and more, really. You know, a record equaling Premier League win um, and then maybe a little bit of a reminder to some who needed it, um, even ourselves, you know. I'd be the first to put my hand up and say I've been quite kind of... Um, well, probably probably as critical as, as I have been for a while on, on this podcast in terms of the performances that they put in, but they showed that they know Busted flush by any means, and okay, the, you know it was a very substandard Bournemouth team we came to Anfield. But um, the the thing that that struck me was, you know, even at fours and fives, Liverpool refused to declare, and even at six and seven, they still wanted more, and even at eight, they were still chasing it. It could have even been ten, had it not been for for Milner's effort getting saved by, by the goalkeeper um, at the very end. So a perfect response to what had been a a very poor start to the season. The hope is now the pool can build on it. They should be beating Bournemouth at home, no question about that. But the manner of it really should, um, you know, put a put put a bit of wind in the sails now for the uh, what's going to be a, an incredibly busy uh, September. Yeah, absolutely. It was really important to get that first goal, wasn't it, Rich? The the first one kind of felt like it was a big moment, and and probably from that point, really, it was it was kind of the turning point, wasn't it? As soon as Liverpool got the first goal in the game, we knew that was going to be important. They got it almost straight away. Yeah, it was certainly needed getting the first goal, wasn't it? And let's be honest, quite quite long overdue in terms of matches this season. Uh, but I, I think we t- we're talking before the game. Where where's a goal coming from from Liverpool? If you had to put a bet on who, who, who would it be? And everyone I spoke to was was like, well, Mo Salah, because can't see anywhere else where a, a goal is coming from. It shows shows how your judgment can be a little bit clouded when uh, when things aren't aren't going your way. And uh, of course, he was the only one pretty much who didn't score. Um, goals all over the place, um, lots of people chipping in, which is exactly what you want to see. They certainly don't want to become uh, overly reliant on on one player. Um, and yeah, a little bit of a uh, little bit of faith restored in, in what Liverpool are capable of, which of course, deep down we know is is great things. They're a, they're a great football side. They haven't become a bad one overnight. They've had a bit of a tricky start. 
and and when when things aren't going well, I think I think when you look back to the, like the United game and approaching that, and some people might have been of the view, oh, we've had drawn the first two, but we should be able to go here and batter this poor United side. And obviously, the the opposite happened. That's when you start to have a few little uh, creaking doubts as to what's happening here. But I think that's pretty much been laid to rest. This was a, a dominant, uh, relentless performance from Liverpool, and that uh, that hunger to keep going and scoring more goals was was answering a question, I think. And as you say, I, I, I think the atmosphere in the, in the ground was probably at its loudest at 9-0 uh, with the crowd urging them to try and get that 10th and, uh, you know, get a, what would have been a quite unbelievable scoreline, as if 9-0 isn't. Um, but, yeah, the, the world's been put back to rights. They, they weren't a great side, Bournemouth, let's be honest. Um, but, yeah, it was, it was an important win uh, and done in pretty emphatic fashion. Yeah, really fluent and, and fluid from Liverpool for the first time this season, really. I think that was probably the, the most important thing, as well as the, the goals. It just kind of felt a bit more like Liverpool again. And just so many players, really, to, to go through Gorsty in terms of, of making that happen. I suppose we should probably start with, with Harvey Elliott, even though he was, was only on the pitch for half of, of that game. It was, was an excellent 45 minutes from him. His, his first Premier League goal and, and so much more as well. Yeah, I was actually thinking about Elliott. On, on the day after the game, actually, and um, you know, you always hear people say things like, uh, "Oh, Elliot's going to be a player. Oh, he's going to be a top player. And he's so young, he's going to be a top player." Um, but then there's a there's occasionally that there's a suggestion that maybe he's not quite ready at the moment for, for certain games and certain things. And um, the only way these young players fulfil potential is is to is to play, play regularly and. Get experience in the legs. It, it, you know, Trent Alexander Arnold didn't come into the Liverpool team as one of the best right backs in, in European football. Did he? The, the reason these players fulfil the potential is by playing. So I, th- I think games like Saturday are absolutely perfect for Harvey Elliott to continue his development. Um, learn to learn to kind of feel what it's like to be on a you know in a top team. You know, winning winning games regularly. Um, so I think. While the clamour is for Liverpool to, to, to strengthen the midfield areas, uh, and I think once Thiago and Curtis Jones and you know Oxley Chamberlain, and, you know once basically when when Klopp's got a full complement of midfielders, I don't think he'll be playing as regularly as he as he is at the moment. But how you kind of fulfil that potential is by playing, and I think sometimes that gets overlooked a little bit. You know. People say things like, oh, Fabio Carvalho is another example. He's going to be a player in a few years' time. And um, there's always this, you know, Stefan Bacchetti is a perfect example as well. Again, you know, loads of people saying after his pre season, he's going to be a player in, in, in a few years. And you'd only become that player that, that people think you're going to be by by experience, by playing in games and, and playing in, you know, these types of games. And he might not have learned too much, Harvey Elliott, from, from hammering a team 9 0, but. Just little things along the way, you know, playing in teams with, with Fabinho and, and Jordan Henderson, you know, massively experienced campaigners, just little things like that. Um, you know, you kind of add to your game and, and little things that you learn. Um, he, had a, he had a superb first half, and he thought he still scored really well, to be fair. Um, I think that's something he's been working on over the summer, that kind of whipped finish from outside the box. I think I've seen a couple of Instagram videos of him doing just that. So it's um, certainly paid off for him with, with that finishing. Yeah, I'm I'm excited about him. I still still think he's very slight, and you know when he's up against the 
the kind of big units in, in Premier League's midfield. Sometimes he, you know, he does look his age, but his quality on the ball in possession, his, his little passes around the corner, his, his first touch, it's always out of his feet, it's always forward looking. He's someone who, who we can certainly get excited about, but at the same time, for me, I just think you have to kind of temper that by thinking the only way he's going to fulfil his potential is by playing regularly in this team and sometimes if it doesn't quite go to plan, then don't be writing him off because he's only 18 and I think now that there's possibly a little trend in football as well where players are kind of um, showing themselves to be the player that we thought a little bit older. You know, it's not like the days of Owen and Fowler where they're based on the scene and they're kind of established at that level when they're, they're 18, 19, 20. I think now maybe when you get to towards 23, 24, that's when you really start showing who you are as a player. So um, really impressed with Harvey Elliott and the long may I continue. Yeah, it was really, really good to watch the, the first half on on Saturday. And Roberto Firmino as well was another one who performed really, really well, Rich. I mean, it's probably not really going too far to say that was comfortably his best performance in maybe 18 months, two years. I thought he was was brilliant there. And it's it's been a long time since that was the case. Yeah, and it, I think he's another one that questions have been asked of recently, isn't he, really? He hasn't had a a particularly good start to the season, but then he goes and reminds everyone um, that he's still got it, basically, with, with that level of performance. I mean, he was just just everywhere, really, back in the goals. And and, and it, it, when you look at that it's a United game, and it's just just the the, the attacking, attacking shape, just, just nothing seemed to work. Every, the players seemed to be too far away from each other and, uh, and uh, an unusual lack of cohesion about it. It, it, it was the total opposite, and and he was, you know, front, right, and centre of it basically, wasn't he? Deserved his goals, um, and he's the type of player, isn't he? When he's playing, when he plays with a smile on his face for me, you know, and that and that lifts people around him because football should be enjoyed, shouldn't it? That's the, that's the whole point of it, basically. Whether you're a professional or or just watching it, you've got to be entertained, and you've got to enjoy it, and and he, and he brings that, he brings that to the party, and 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 he'll have. He'll have given um, Jürgen Klopp plenty to think about because he's got another two games where they're going to be without Darwin Nunes and and the expectation before Bournemouth, I'm sure, would have been that as soon as uh, Nunes is available, he goes straight back in down the middle. But um, uh, Firmino's got an opportunity to do something about that and and um, bet against them if he did. Yeah, the, the forward line looked, looked really good. Obviously, I wanted to, to mention Luis Diaz as well. I mean, obviously... There's going to be comparisons with Sadio Mane. The, the two headers he scored probably are not going to sort of help in terms of, of that. But it, it really kind of feels like he's getting into a, a bit of a groove now. He's, he's got the Liverpool style, but he's starting to, to score the goal as well to go with that. Yeah, well, he's the top scorer now, isn't he? I, th- I think that was one of the big things for Diaz to take on this season. You know, I think we spoke about it a couple of weeks ago where last season he was getting into into good, you know, good kind of areas and... and he might hit the post or the keeper might make a really good save or it just goes wide and you're kind of thinking, well, when this fellow's up to speed, you know, what, what kind of player have Liverpool got on the hands? And, and I think Klopp mentioned that as well. He, he said the only thing that's been missing is some of his shooting, some of his finishing that he that he had at Porto. I think he joined Liverpool at the end of January. He scored 16 for Porto. So he, he finished the season with um, over 20 goals, um, you know, for, for both teams, which is a really good return. I think it was 22 overall. I think he scored six did he last season. Liverpool, so um, he's, he's coming off the back of, of that that season, really. You know, really good in front of goal, um, and it's something he needs to, to certainly, you know, pick up 
a large portion or some of the portion of the, the responsibility kind of vacated by Sadio Mane. He was a 20-goal-a-season player for Liverpool, wasn't he? <clears throat> 120 goals across his six seasons. Um, and particularly with Darwin Nunes out as well. I wrote something the other week saying, you know, Diaz needs to now become a regular goal scorer for Liverpool. Um, so he's added another two to his, to his haul. Um, the thing that impressed me about the, those two goals was was the manner of them. They were headers, weren't they? It's not something you associate with a kind of tricky winger who loves to run a players and, and try and take them on. Um, <clears throat> we know he's got a really good shot on him from, from certain areas. He likes drifting in, doesn't he? And, and letting let him fly with that right foot. But these were kind of poacher striker finishes, you know, a couple of good headers and areas where Darwin Nunes perhaps would be if he wasn't still kicking his heels with that suspension. So... Yeah, really good performance from Diaz as well. He's now the top scorer, and I'm sure Mo Salah will be desperate to to uh, jump ahead of him on Wednesday night against Newcastle. Yeah, I'm sure he, he certainly will. You'd probably want to, to put a bet on him scoring on Wednesday. I think he'd be absolutely desperate to, to put that right, won't he? The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. We mentioned Harvey Elliott before. We should probably mention Fabio Carvalho as well, Rich. What did you make of, of his performance in the second half? I know it was probably a game state that was slightly easier for him to, to come into, but you can only impress with what you've got to play against, and he certainly did that. Yeah, well, I, I did wonder if he'd start the match, to be honest with you. I know he just covered off uh, Harvey Elliott. Uh, obviously, he needed to make some sort of change from, uh, from what happened against United. and In the end, obviously, he's... He's a bit hamstrung in that, and how many changes you can make because he's got so many injuries. But I did wonder if uh, maybe if it felt like a bit too much to have both Cavallo and Elliot in the sides at the same time, two two youngsters. Although obviously it might happen in the future, uh, and I thought he might be the one that would come in for Elliot. He wasn't in the end. And obviously Elliot justified that in the end with his with his first half performance. But obviously it was, it was a pretty comfortable game for him to come in. But he looked super skillful. I was impressed with the earlier cameos he's had this season as well. I do think he's kind of knocking on the door. I don't think he's far away from uh, from starts. He he just he looks. Um, he look, I think he looks. I read. You know. I think it was uh, Scott Parker was saying that they're both they're both uh, not not you know slightly lightweight. I don't know if that's the correct, correct term to use really, but obviously they're still young lads and filled out particularly. But both of them were a bit lightweight and perhaps perhaps. Uh, Cavallo, uh slightly less so, um, but I think he's he's held his own, and, and it, I've been impressed with him. I, I like him, um, and his volley. I was right behind his volley. Um, it was you know sumptuous caught it sweet. There's a lot of good goals in that game, of course, but just to get that out of the cop end, it's it, and it's same for for Elliot. Obviously, it's his first Premier League goal, I think, wasn't it in that game as well? It, it's just another thing ticked off, isn't it? To, to make you feel like you've arrived and you and, and you belong in this team uh, around around the peers uh, that they're now rubbing shoulders with. So yeah, it top marks for Cavallio. Uh, and as, as I say, unlucky not to start the game. I thought. Yeah, absolutely. I'll, I'll stick with you as well, Rich, for for a word on on Trent as well. It's not been the easiest sort of start to the season for him, but. I thought he he maybe looked as if he was trying a little bit hard until he scored that goal, and then suddenly just seemed to to relax into the game, and, and that was that was the real Trent again. I suppose there's been quite a bit of pressure on him, hasn't there? Because he's been a, he's been in a lot of focus. Don't think he's helped by not having uh, Joel Matip alongside him, who uh, you know kind of probably he's played a lot with him and probably trusts him to get forward and, and do what he does. And, and, and obviously they take the risks that they do and that they haven't always paid off so far this season, but his goal was absolutely magnificent. 
Um, and yeah, he was, he was more relaxed in it, and it looked a bit more like like his uh, his own self. I'm sure for him personally, he, he's got no doubts about his own ability, and he probably just bats off a lot of this criticism. But I, I think the team as a whole came into that game under pressure, even if they were you know expected to perhaps comfortably beat Bournemouth. The, the, it's the old thing, is when things aren't going for you, what happens if you don't score in the first half hour or or whatnot? And this crowd starts to get a bit uh, bit on the backs or a bit or a bit anxious. It, it always happens, and sometimes crowds are criticised for that. But I think it's just a natural reaction, isn't it, when when things aren't going your way? But that it, that wasn't the case, was it? So and in the end, it, it's a walkover. So good to see Trent uh, looking up here and 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 making a, a valuable contribution. I guess it's going to be tougher. Tougher uh, questions going to be asked uh, in the next few weeks, but pretty sure he's up to it. Yeah, I suppose that's the the question, isn't it, Gorsty? Not just for for Trent, but for the whole Liverpool team. I think it was possibly around the the Community Shield that Jurgen Klopp said it might take a few games for for Liverpool to get into rhythm and and into their groove this season. I suppose that the question after the Bournemouth game is how confident are you that that was the moment that it kind of clicks for Liverpool? Newcastle, I suppose, will come to to that. That's, <clears> that's going to be the real test of, of this Liverpool team. Yeah, it has to, doesn't it? You know, you, you don't win nine 0 every week, so um, it, it's it's got to provide some sort of overall boost, certainly for the next the next few weeks. I'd imagine um, Wednesday night will be a different test, but I don't think Newcastle are, are anything special. I mean, they certainly gave um, Manchester City a hell of a game last Sunday, but um, weren't weren't too great at Wolves yesterday. You know, neither the Sam Maximum won the goal, which. Nine times out of ten doesn't go in to rescue a point. So, yeah, Liverpool have got, got, just got to continue this on. I mean, you've got to just get back to winning ways, kind of get the yeah, the first three weeks of the season out of the minds, and <clears throat> hopefully, slowly but surely, we start to see one or two return from injury. Uh, I had a little bit of a moan about that on Friday, didn't they, about the fact that <clears throat> Klopp always says the players are getting close, but you know there's still nowhere to be seen on a, on a team sheet. Um, so. Hopefully that does start to turn, but you know we'll obviously await the latest updates tomorrow from from Jurgen, and then going forward, transfer deadline on Thursday night, isn't it? And then it's a big one on Saturday lunchtime, Merseyside derby. So uh, yeah, I mean, as I say, you're not going to win nine 0 every week, so it, it must provide some sort of confidence boost to a team who could probably have used it, um, particularly one or two players. Um, so, yeah, all in all, a, a, a really good weekend for Liverpool. It's just probably a little bit of pang of frustration at Man City when two goals down against Crystal Palace and, and managed to turn it around. And I think that's a, probably a little bit of a skill that they've developed in recent months, the ability to um, to kind of fight out of adversity, which is something they didn't necessarily have two years ago. So um, just something that makes it a little bit more difficult to uh, challenge them in the long term. But I don't think too many of you are thinking about that right now. They're just looking ahead to, to NC United and continuing on. From a, you know, a remarkable result, really. Yeah, there was there was certainly a few people sat around me at Anfield on Saturday, keeping an eye on that that City result. Rich, I mean, just a, a, as a quick point, really, I, I noticed Andrew Beasley tweeted over the weekend that in four of the last six games in the league that City have played, they've not just gone one goal behind, but they've gone two behind, but they haven't lost any of those games. I suppose you can probably look at that in two ways, can't you? That can't last forever, but at the same time, as Gorsty said, it's it's probably a a different element to Manchester City that we've not not necessarily seen too many times before. Yeah, the um, the guy next to me took great delight in telling me it was one 0 to Palace 
And then even great in delight in telling me 2-0, it's 2-0. City is 2-0 down. And I thought to myself, I've been here before, haven't I? This is some sort of nightmare I remember from a few months ago. So I, I think I could be excused for not getting remotely enthusiastic about Manchester City being 2-0 down uh, by all accounts because, because of you just know exactly what they're capable of and and that's why they're champions because they never give up. They go to the end and they've got the players to score goals. And um, Of course, the only encouragement with that is that they are actually leaking goals, aren't they? So that, that gives you, uh, you know, that shows that they're not, they're not impenetrable. I've called them boring in the past. I can't really level them that at the moment whilst they're conceding goals as well as scoring them. So, yeah, I'll have to park that one for a bit, I think. But, um, yeah, it's, you know, it would have, it would obviously, you want to try and gain ground on Manchester City at, at any opportunity. Um, but um, if, if you if you give them a five-point lead or, or whatever it was, um, you can't expect to claw that back too quickly, can you? It might, might take a little bit of a while to do that. But Liverpool can only worry about their own business, can't they? They, can, they already know they can't control Manchester City uh, in the same way that Manchester City can't control Liverpool. So I think uh, uh, this is probably the most boring, cliche thing you could possibly say in football, but they won that game 9-0. But I'm sure the first thing you would have been satisfied with is the clean sheet because you, you can't win football games consistently unless you're keeping clean sheets and and um, and that was a bit overdue uh, and that's what he's got and he can need to build on that now and be, be defensively solid and and whilst people like uh, Nunes and, and still to an extent Diaz uh, are, are settling in, in, in at the other end of the pitch you're giving them a platform to build on um, and but if you can follow that up with another clean sheet against Newcastle on Wednesday then I'll be pretty happy. Yeah, just before we uh, we move on to, to Newcastle, Gorsty, a quick word on the, the transfer deadline. Obviously, that's on, on Thursday. Liverpool, probably in, in most people's eyes, still looking possibly one short, at, at least in terms of, of numbers in, in midfield and possibly in the attack too. I mean, what's the, the sort of latest on, on that situation? Is I suppose that the question, is it is it any more likely that Liverpool signs someone now compared to, to what it was a week or so ago? I mean, to, to be perfectly honest with you, Matt, I'd... I'd... You know, I've been off over the, the bank holidays, so there's, there's nothing um, major in terms of updates. It was just um, interesting listening to, to Klopp in his Friday press conference uh, when he said, uh, you were right and I was wrong, you know, talking to the press. And he said, now we go for the midfielder. Um, some people took that as kind of a nailed-on admission that they are looking. Um, but to me, I, don't, I don't think they've ever stopped looking, in all honesty. I think I think the issue is is in terms of why they, they might not get a player in is you know you bring in a player for <clears throat> standard player now who's going to be capable of, of doing a decent job for Liverpool is <clears throat> at the very least 30 35 40 million so they 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 bring on break bring in a player for that on a five-year contract and then within six weeks Thiago's back and Oxley Chamberlain's back and Curtis Jones is back. And if if this player isn't top quality, he's probably going to be, you know, catered as well. He's probably going to be sixth or seventh or maybe even eight, eight choice midfield. And Liverpool have just forked out uh, quite a big sum for him. I think that is 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 a bigger issue than than some people think. You know, I've seen some tweets people saying, you know, at this point I'd just take anyone, but you wouldn't, would you? Because you're not. Okay, let's get in a lad from League Two then. He's going to play midfield for Liverpool next week. Within 25 minutes, there'd be an outrage with there. You know, why, why have they brought this this fella in? 
So, you know, Klopp's always professed the right player and, you know, he he certainly means that. Um, now, do I think there's more than, than one or two players capable of playing for the field in midfield? I do. <clears throat> it's whether the the main man himself thinks that, isn't it? Um, but I, I think they're always looking, really. Uh, but I think this kind of, now we go for the midfielder line, it's just got people really excited that something can be done. Um, I think they have to be looking because if they're not looking, they're, they're not they're not doing the jobs essentially, are they? Because you're always looking for for improvements, and certainly at a time when you know, was it three of those four players who were injured in midfield have never proven themselves as kind of durable who can last the course of a season and play every week. Um, so it's going to be an, an interesting end of the week, and uh, I'm still of the belief as well that they need someone up top, someone who, who can play in the wide areas and maybe even down the middle because there's no natural backups for Diaz and certainly Mo Salah. You know, you're looking at Harvey Elliott there, Alex, Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain, Diogo Jota. None of them are natural wide players for me. Jota obviously played on the left four walls, but I think since he's come to Liverpool, he's proven himself as a much more, you know, um, fox in the box. Elliott's kind of making his name in, in senior footballers midfielder now and Oxley chamberlain would much prefer to play centre with himself. So, uh, if you're asking me, they, they probably need two before the end of the window. But, you know, as I say, the, the, the pool of players capable of being a, a real hit at Liverpool is smaller than there is at other clubs, which is why Nottingham Forest can sign 20 players and <laughs> Liverpool probably can't. But, uh, yeah, it's going to be an interesting few days in the markets. Um, so... Certainly, the, the number of rumours are going to be ramped up and the pool fans will be um, across the Echoes pages. We hope to uh, keep up, date, up to date with all the latest uh, happenings. Yeah, absolutely. All the uh, the eyes were drawn to that. Now we go for a midfielder. But like you say, the, the thing that he said immediately after that was it still has to be the right player. It's not just going to be everyone. So, yes, we shall see what happens. I'm sure, like you say, there'll be plenty of players linked with Liverpool as well. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Let's go on to, to Newcastle now then, Rich. What have you made of, of them this season? We mentioned the, the game against Manchester City the other week. They looked pretty good in that, but what do you reckon? Liverpool should surely have far too much for them if they play anything like their usual selves as they did at the weekend. Well, I watched Newcastle against City and I thought they were absolutely fantastic. And I thought that game itself was one of the best games I've seen so far in the Premier League in the early part of this season. And then I turned them off against Wolves yesterday because it was that boring. Uh, and as a result of that, I did actually miss Alan St. Maximin's uh, incredible volley near the end uh, and what a finish that is. So I think that kind of tells you the story, really. I think at this moment in time, they're a growing side, aren't they? Newcastle, I still think that in terms of against the uh, uh, someone like Liverpool, they would still be considered a pretty average side. But they do have players in the team that can score goals out on nothing. And sometimes, uh, if, they, if Liverpool have got any sort of vulnerability, it might be that, that that's uh, where teams can, can unpick them. So when you look at that um, Zahar goal for Palace at Anfield, um, brilliant only two sort of players involved in it, really. There was Eze, I think, who played the ball into him. Absolutely superb ball, just threaded it through and, and, a, and a fantastic finish. And, and sometimes that's all it takes. If you've got someone with star quality 
because I, I, I blow hot and cold on Saint Maximin. I think he's very entertaining and very skillful, but, uh, but somewhat cynically, after sometimes I think he doesn't know what he's doing. Um, he, he might argue that if he saw me play, to be fair, but um, um, although if he saw my echo six aside day, really, he would probably be uh trying to get me to uh. So James Park, but <laughs> goal with uh, first touch, wasn't it, Rich? Uh, goal with first touch, that's correct, Matt. That's yeah. an exclusive here on the Blood Red podcast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, I can tell you that um, I did stop at one point panting for breath and checking the watch, and we'd only played 20 minutes. So uh, I let a lesson there for playing in a cage where the ball doesn't go out of play. Um, but uh, getting away from me, yeah, they, yeah, he's 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 definitely an entertainer, and Maximum. He's, he's he's someone dangerous, and uh, I'm sure they've got other players. You know, Callum Wilson's got pace as well, hasn't he? And, um, they they won't be w- without a threat to Liverpool. But if Liverpool can get on top of them at early doors, and as you say, get an, another early goal like they did against Bournemouth, then then I would like to think it would then be a comfortable victory for Liverpool. Yeah, we, we mentioned the, um, the the fact, Ghosty, that this has got to be kind of the turning point. Liverpool have got to build on what they did on Saturday. And I think probably it's it's the same for Trent as well, isn't it? There has been one or two questions over his defensive contributions so far this season. And St Maximum, as Rich says, is, is probably the player that Newcastle had looked to to, to try and, and employ that game plan again against Liverpool. But I suppose this is the, the chance really to prove that the first couple of games were, were the one-off. This can be the, the true Liverpool against that kind of team. Yeah, I mean, he's going to need help against San Maximum because I think every right-back in world football probably needs help against him because he's so unpredictable, so skillful and so naturally talented. You know, if he has a, you know, if he's at it like he was against City last week, then he could cause Liverpool plenty of problems. He gave Kyle Walker an absolute torrid time in that game and funny how it wasn't highlighted anywhere near as much as had it been a certain Trent Alexander-Arnold, but those are the kind of um, things that Liverpool's right-back has to deal with, I guess, and um, I've banged my head against that wall enough times to to, um, to not argue that again today. But yeah, it, I mean, it, it's part and parcel of, of how Liverpool's midfield works, isn't it? Um, particularly with the reliance on the full-backs from, um, from wide areas in an attacking sense, those midfielders have to cover the slack. Uh, it's normally Jordan Henderson, isn't it, in that right channel. Um, it has been Harvey Elliott at times, and whoever it is is going to have to put in a shift and, and help out Alexander-Arnold on their Wednesday night. But I think, um, you know, Liverpool can't be too concerned with, with what Newcastle are going to be able to do on the ball, in possession and whatever else, because Liverpool will look to dominate it at Anfield and, and take maximum points. I think in that game in, was it December? I think Liverpool had quite a few kind of COVID issues at the time, uh, but still, you know, when a goal down, still managed to comfortably winning in the end. Um, as I say, Newcastle were very good against City last week at home, um, not so much yesterday, away from home against Wolves and um, Molyneux is a much uh, different place to go to Anfield when Liverpool tails are up. So, yeah, Liverpool, just, as I say, just got to continue in the same vein as, as they did against Bournemouth and OK, you might not be beating Newcastle 9-0 on Wednesday night, but you still massively back them to... Uh, to to turn it on again and, and uh, come away with the points. And just before we can even kind of look at City's results in it with any kind of seriousness, I think Liverpool have just got to put together a good run now. And you're looking at it now and it could be, you know, a six or seven game winning streak. It could be winning eight of the next 10, whatever it may be. Just need to put together a strong run now before we uh, we can look ahead to the World Cup in, in November. Yeah, absolutely. Well, with that in mind, let's move on and pick our teams for the game. Then it'll be Alison Becker in goal. Ghosty, I'll come to you for the defence. I mean, 
is there any sort of opportunity to, to change things around much, do you think, or is it just going to be the same again? No, I imagine it'll be the same again. I think this period now where Liverpool start playing twice a week is when we will see more rotation if um, you know the squad allows it. Klopp hasn't got too much scope for that at the moment, as he certainly with the centre-back options. It's going to be Gomez and Van Dijk again. I imagine Robertson will continue again. Um, and then over the next few weeks, you might see one or two changes. But for now, I'm still still imagine it'll be much the same team as it was Saturday. Um, of course, Clark will give us an update only on the on the the injury front on Tuesday. I imagine he'll just say player A, B, C, D, E, F, and G are all close, but not too many on the comeback trail just yet. Um, but yeah, I imagine Robertson will will start. Ahead of Simicast, which is what your thinly veiled question was was getting at, wasn't it? <laughs> as always, as always. I mean, he, he did do that, didn't he? That was the, the sub, I think, on around sort of 68, 69 minutes at the weekend. So that's possibly the way that, that you manage Andy Robertson, isn't it? Rich, is, is your defence the same as ours? Is it going to stick the same? And, and if it is, you might as well talk us through your midfield. Yeah, same defence. Um, well, they're the first one to keep a clean sheet, so it would be a bit, uh, bit harsh to change it, wouldn't it? Um, but just on the, the point about Sim, because I, I, I know that obviously there's been some questions asked because he's, he's coming on all the time, but I'm actually quite happy to see him getting on because I think he's a good player uh, and, it, and, he, and he gives you another option. And certainly later in the game, um, he's, you know, he's capable of, uh, of sticking a decent ball in. So uh, all, all power to him. But yeah, same back four. Um, in terms of midfield, um, I, I I just wonder. I know Elliot came off at half time, and I know um, Klopp said he he should be fine. You know what I mean. I just wonder whether he would switch it and put Cavalli in, but probably not. <laughs> Thinking out loud here, um, but just in the interest of being a bit different, I'll, I'll say you'll bring in Cavalli for for Elliot, uh, but you'll, you'll stick with. Henderson. Yeah, I'm going to stick with the, the same sort of team, but you kind of referenced it a little bit before, Gorsty, in terms of whoever's on the right of that midfield is going to have to help out with, with Trent. I mean, does does that come into your thinking? Is there maybe an argument to, to have Carvalho in, but on the left and, and move Henderson back to the right? Or is it just a case of Elliot's done well, so probably stick with him? Yeah, well, he, he got brought off for half time, didn't he? So we're not too sure what the situation was there. I don't think he, he got asked about it in, in his post match. I'm not too sure. Um, I think I think he had he felt something. I think like a niggle, but he said he, he said he said I think it's it's all right. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. Well, I mean with the with the opportunity to use the five subs and the fact that they were in five nil probably means you would err on the side of caution more often than not in that situation. But um, on the other hand, Liverpool have just been absolutely tormented with injuries already, so. You, you wouldn't be shocked in the slightest if that's Elliot for X number of weeks. I mean, um, hopefully not, but as I say, it, it wouldn't be a major shock with it. But, you know, if if everything is as it is and, he, and he's fine, I think he's probably earned the, the opportunity for another start. Um, but the, the problem is he, he operates best on that right, doesn't he? The right of the, the midfield three, which I think where Henderson normally would be looking to play and help out. Trent, as I say, against the San Maximum. So that's a, that's a, a tricky one to, um, to 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 go for really for Klopp. I think I'm I think I'm going to go with Elliot, and then um, Henderson on, on the left, and, and Fabinho, um, you know, holding things together in the middle. 
And in terms of, of the forward line, then Gorsty, I'll come back to you. It's just got to be the same again, hasn't it? I suppose this is, you know, we mentioned the, the test for, for Liverpool in terms of turning a corner. It's probably a test for Roberto Firmino as well. Back-to-back performances like he did on Saturday, that would be a, a big thing for him and for, for, for the Reds as well. Yeah, he was superb on Saturday, wasn't he? But I don't think... don't think we can take too much from that in terms of him putting aside his early season struggles because... Thought he was really, really poor. Fulham. Don't know what he was, what he was doing at Manchester United for most of the game, playing kind of holding midfield for most of the game, wasn't he? Um, we know that that's how he kind of plays as this false nine. But um, I was shocked to find that that was his first goal at Anfield since December 2020 in the first half. I think it was it was the header against Tottenham um, in that game mid December. So. Yeah, it's it's going to be a, a big one to see whether we get a Firmino more like Saturday or a Firmino more like Fulham on on Wednesday night. Um, hopefully, it's give him a huge boost of confidence and we start to see the kind of old Firmino that we're used to with the swagger and, and the style and just knitting it all together. But um, it's going to have to be Firmino, isn't it? I mean, you, you wouldn't drop him anyway after that performance on Saturday, but Klopp's got no other option anyway, so... Darwin Nunes can kick his heels once again on the sidelines and just realise what he's missed if uh, Liverpool add to this nine-goal haul of Saturday. He could have been on the end of a few of those himself, couldn't he? So, yeah, Firmino, uh, hopefully this is a Firmino about to enter some form. Luis Diaz on the left and uh, Mohamed Salah on the right. Yeah, he pops up near the goal, Rich Roberto Firmino, and suddenly finds himself scoring. Who would have thought it? Is it got to be him again for, for you as well through the middle? Yeah, it has. Yeah, it's the same front three. Uh, he can't really do much else, can he, at the moment, I don't think. I said at the start of the pod, I think I said uh, Firmino had two games left to uh, ask the question before Darwin Nunes comes in. That's not true. He's got one left, hasn't he? Uh, already had two. I think I'd uh, conveniently forgotten about the uh, the uh, United performance. Um, but, yeah, so with that, there's an incentive for Roberto Firmino, isn't there? So, as Gorsi said, will we get the Bournemouth? version or the Fulham version well if, if he wants to really ask a difficult question of the manager then it'll, it'll have to be the Bournemouth version otherwise um, Nunes is just going to come straight back in isn't he so something to aim for um, and yeah there's nowhere no shortage of familiarity between that front three so uh, hopefully they can go out and do the business again Yes, absolutely. Let's go for our match predictions then. I think I'll go 3-1 to Liverpool. I fancy Mohamed Salah will score at least one after not doing so against Bournemouth. But I think it goes without saying, Gorsty, it's going to be a lot more tricky than it was for for Liverpool on Saturday. How do you reckon it might play out? Well, certainly not going to be 9-0, but yeah, I I agree with you. Actually, 3-1 seems to be a a decent scoreline. Let's just hope if you don't fall behind first and you've got to, you know, Come back, and so that'll be the what the eighth game and last nine Premier League games. Um, but yeah, no, loads of positivities to positive things to take from Saturday. So, um, yeah, I think Liverpool have just got to put together a quiet little steady run now and get themselves back, um, you know, a lot higher up the table where they used to be. In same for you, Rich, a win for Liverpool again. To be honest, I was, I was thinking 3 1, but now you've both said that, I feel like uh, there's a, a requirement for me to be different. They need more, as I said. They need more clean sheets. They need to. That needs to be the basis uh, uh, of any decent league campaign, I think. So, uh, with that in mind, I'll go for three 0 
Excellent stuff. Well, that's all we've got time for here on this edition of the show, but we'll have Jurgen Klopp's press conference for you on Tuesday and then coverage around the game as usual on Wednesday. Thursday is transfer deadline day, blood red on Friday and then the Merseyside derby on Saturday. Until next time, though, from all of us here, it's goodbye for now. You've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.